Hello friends, welcome to another episode of Living in the Prophetic. If you're new here, I want to say a warm hello to you and welcome. My name is Rachel Ezekiel, a warm hello to all of you. This is a continuation from what we talked about in the previous episode. In the previous episode, we talked about contending for the kingdom seat. Not taking the seat lightly, but treasuring it, contending for it in prayer, so that the kingdom seat that is in you will grow. Friends, the kingdom of God can be reflected in the lives of his people, in you and me. The seed of his kingdom can come in different shapes and forms for different people. But one truth remains. There is a kingdom seed inside you, inside of you, inside you and me, in God's people. You are to sow and plant and you are to birth. There are seeds that I have placed in my people, says God. There are seeds that I have placed in my people, seeds of greatness, seeds of destiny, seeds of the kingdom. Your seed shall be mighty on earth. This is one of the phrases I've been listening and hearing from God recently again and again. He says, your seed shall be mighty on earth. I sense the Lord was not so much referring to these things as our biological children or our children, not talking about descendants, but talking about the things, the very thing that we are to birth. God started talking to me about the things that we are to bring forth for his kingdom. This will include the works of our hands. It can be the building of the church, although it is not just limited to that. It can be other things as well. There is different shapes and forms. One of the key passages for this episode is Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. You see, the passage talks about the man finding it and hiding it again. He found it and he hid it. The treasure, the seed remains hidden. He found it, but the seed remains hidden. We talked about the smallness of the seed God has put in you in the previous episode. It will appear small, insignificant, and unknown, and at times even mock, even disregarded. It is a necessary process. The Bible talks about it. When a man found the treasure, it is hidden, and at the hidden stage, that is when you need to start contending for it. When a man found the treasure, he hid it again. That is the hidden stage of the seed. And we need to be contending for it, even when it's small, when it seems small, when it is hidden, to not give up laboring for it in prayer. And then in his joy, the passage continues, in his joy, the man went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now that is coming to the next point that I want to bring up in this episode. He sold all he had and bought that field. He gave it all his God. The next key the Spirit of God revealed about the kingdom seed is that we need to cast it into the ground. Cast your seed into the ground. In John 12, 24, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But 
if it dies, it bears much fruit. If it dies, it bears much fruit. On its own, the seed is of no use unless it is sown to the earth, unless it is sown in the earth, not just hidden, not just covered, but buried. Unless the seed goes through some form of death, some form of dying, some seasons and forms of dying. We need to treat the seed given to us in a similar way as the word. On its own, the word prospers none. Unless it is by the power of God, the word goes into the heart and it is received and through the power of the Holy Spirit, it works effectually. Similarly with the prophetic word spoken to you, spoken to you and me. Similarly with the good word God has inspired in you, the good seed that God has put in you by casting it into the ground, cast it to the ground. And at the proper time, at the appointed time, we can commit it to God to raise it up again. God will raise it up again. God will resurrect it again. Friends, the reason many people of God, and I truly believe sincere people of God, give up sowing seed, is that each time they sow the seed, a little bit of themselves that I've given dies with it. It starts to cost it requires sacrifice. When we sow a little bit of us, our fleshly nature dies with it. There is a cost to obedience. There is a cost to obedience, friends. Oftentimes, there will be a certain wrestle in obedience between our spirit man and our fleshly nature. Obedience will cost. Oh, friends, but the glory on the other side of your obedience will far, far outweigh the uncomfortable, the inconvenience. It will far outweigh the fight. That is the fight of our faith. That is the fight of faith that we are living in, that we are contending for at the moment. There is a grief when living things that have been familiar to us, structures that have been familiar to us, structures that have even served us, systems, Sometimes, even places and people, there is grief when we leave all this behind. But on the other side, friends, there is a certain setting free. There is a setting free. There is deep healing. There is a realignment of hearts. There is birthing. There is renewed vision. There is new fire on the other side. The seed requires a certain dying of self. Now we talked about this before. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself. I mentioned this before in the previous episode. Now this is done without the effort of men. Some may say, well, isn't that good? Without my participation, without any effort, the earth can produce on its own. But we forget, the earth is fallen. This earth is fallen, the earth is cursed from the time of Genesis without any intentional participation from our part to go against the grain, to swim against the current, to live different, to live counter-culture. It will not lead us to where we want to go in life. It will not lead us to the God destiny in life. Without our active and consistent participation, our contending for God's will in our lives, for the seed to prosper, for the God-given word to bear fruit, for the God-given business ideas to bear fruit, for the God-given ministry to have fruit, men would have no harvest. 
So without active effort on our side, active participation, active contending for the God-given destiny, men would have no harvest. It is connected to your effort and your participation, friends. To the effort and the participation of God's people. The earth and its happening are moved by a certain power which moves itself. Success is not by accident. Failure is also not by accident. Without prayer, without a holding fast to the Word of God, the quickened Word of God, there is a certain motion set in place, and it is the fallen nature of creation, the fallen nature of the earth. The fallen nature of creation has set in place a certain dynamic that without prayers, without prayers from God's people, a Christian life spent in slumber, a Christian life in dullness, a Christian life spent going with the swing of things, with whatever that comes, will go in that state, into that fallen state. Remember back in Genesis, because of sin, the ground is cursed. Our souls are redeemed by the blood, but the fact that we still live in the body, in the fleshly body, on this earth, means that we are still subject to that fallen nature of this world. We have to continue to live beyond that. We have to live resurrected. We have to contend to fight, to live with that strong intent, intent in our hearts that says, I will not live like the world. I am in this world, but I am not. I am not of this world. I will live crucified. I will live resurrected. I will live with that unshakable purpose in my heart that says, my life will be one that is crucified with Christ. My life will be one that is raised with Christ. I will live possessing the land that He has promised for me. I will live possessing the inheritance that has purpose for me. That is the victorious life that is offered to us if we choose to go for it. Now, the second thing I keep hearing the Spirit of God saying is that do not sow two different kinds of seed. Do not sow two different kinds of seed. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? What is God trying to say with two different kinds of seed? In Deuteronomy 22, verse 9, it says, Do not plant two kinds of seed in your vineyard. If you do, not only the crops you plant, but also the fruit of the vineyard will be defiled. Now, I hear the Spirit of God saying, Many of my people are not bearing fruit from their seed. Many of God's people are yet to bear fruit from their seed. Do not sow two different kinds of seed. The Spirit of God then brings me to a passage in Galatians. Galatians 6.8 Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now the New Living Translation says, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now, if the object of our actions, the purpose of our life is merely self-indulgence, where we sow to follow the leading of our carnal self, 
Yes, we may at some point reap some carnal satisfaction for a brief moment, but that satisfaction is of a corruptible, dying and perishing nature. On the other hand, where all our mind, our thought, our focus, our speech, our actions, our very life are led by the Spirit, under the leading and the dictation of the Holy Spirit, where He is Lord, our lives are living sacrifice. The Spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, says the Bible. Lit up. We are lit up not just for the leading of our own lives, but we are lit up as a light on a hill, a lampstand. Our very life shall be like seeds deposited in the field of which the owner and the Lord is the Spirit of God. Is Jesus himself. We will walk in the divine will of God. We will reap everlasting life. We will reap eternal reward and satisfaction. But also, not just that, we have life everlasting here and now. Friends, we can have that abundant life here and now. Not at times to the flesh and other times to the spirit. Not today to the spirit and tomorrow to the flesh. No, we are led by the Spirit. Those who are led of the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Now hear this very encouraging promise from God. He says, you shall see your seed prosper. In Isaiah 53, verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The Amplified Version says, Yet the Lord was willing to crush him, causing him to suffer. If he would give himself as a guilt offering, as an atonement for sin, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will, the good pleasure of the Lord shall succeed and prosper in his hand. The New King James, he says, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Friends, you are justified. If you are in Christ, you believe him, you believe Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, you are justified. That he has atoned for your sin, you are justified, not by your own righteousness, but by the blood of Jesus. Those who have labored in the soul, now he promises that those who have labored in the soul, in the anguish of your soul, your labor is not in vain. To those who have labored, says God, he wants me to send this message to you. To those who have labored in your soul, in the anguish of your soul, your labor is not in vain. Those who have labored in the spirit, to those who have labored in prayer, where many sleep and slumber, when many sleep through the night and slumber, when many around you are just going about their lives in pursuit of things which are of no eternal significance, in pursuit of ease, in pursuit of luxury, in pursuit of convenience, in pursuit of the road most are traveling in, things which are of no eternal significance. Yet you have labored in your soul, in your spirit, in prayer, in a life filled with prayers, in a prayer-filled life. In the life of obedience, in the life given to the Lord, you have taken the road least travel. 
You have chosen the path of obedience, and yet you have chosen the path of sacrifice. The Lord wants to say this to you. Your labor is not in vain. He sees your obedience. He sees your sacrifice. He sees you giving yourself up as a living sacrifice. The Spirit of God is saying this to you. You will see your seed. You will see your seed prosper. He will prosper your seed. The seed you have planted, keep sowing. Keep planting, keep watering. The growth and the sprouting comes from me, says God. The increase comes from me. Am I a man that I should lie? The unction of the Holy Ghost lies not. The unction of the Holy Ghost speaks not as a man. The unction of the Holy Ghost lies not. My word shall not be in vain. My word shall not return to me void, says God. My words to you, my specific word to you, my Rema word that you have captured, you have treasured, keep laboring over those spoken words. Keep laboring over them. Keep laboring, keep contending for them in prayer. Not in a way of striving, not as a slave striving for it, but no. As a son, as a daughter of God, I do require that you labor over them in prayer. I do expect your active participation. The earth I've given to you, the earth's dominion I've given over to mankind, that they shall take dominion. The works that I do, I will not do unless you participate in them. How? By your prayer. By your daily meditating on the words that I've spoken to you. By your prayer by you following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Friends, God does nothing except in response to our prayer, to our believing prayer. It does seem that without God, we cannot, and without us, God will not. Let me say that again. It does seem that without God, we cannot. We cannot do it without God, but without us, God appears to not want to do it. God will not without us. Without our active participation, God will not. In Isaiah 53, it says, He shall see his seed. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. There is a certain parallelism there. Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering of Christ, about the suffering of Christ after the laying down of his own life. But in the same passage in Isaiah 53, it goes on to say, He shall see his seed. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Some of us may ask, that is asking for too much. Live crucified. Live as a living sacrifice. Many of us may be familiar with this verse. As he is, so are we in this world. That is taken from 1 John 4.17. We fail to see that this verse, yes, it can mean in the most positive ways, in the most positive sense, yes, we are victorious in Christ. We are victorious for Christ has the final victory. Yet we fail to see the other side, the part that says, the part that I'm not sure many would necessarily welcome, the part that says we are also to become like him in his death, the fellowship of his suffering, that we may know that we may know what it means to be attaining to the resurrection that we may know what it truly means to live resurrected from the dead as he is so are we in this world it seems that there is a certain dying that we need to go through to be attaining to the resurrection that we may know what it truly means to live resurrected from the dead I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering, to become like him in his death. Friends, brothers and sisters, 
Many of you have dreams to pursue, God-given destinies to fulfill. You have tried. You know you're called. You have tried, but to no avail. You say, I know God has called me. I know God has anointed me for this. Why is it not working? Apart from what we have talked about, contending for the seed in prayer, for that kingdom seed in prayer, don't just assume that the seed will bear fruit automatically, but to be faithfully contending for the seed in prayer. Next, to not look at the smallness of the seed. To not despise the days of small beginnings. And the third point, sow not to the flesh and to the spirit. Sow no two different kinds of seed. One day you are spirit-led and the next you follow your feeling. Let your feeling dictate how you think, what you do, what you say. Do not sow two different kinds of seed. Do not waver according to the waves. According to the waves of life. But to hold fast to the promises of God, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, let some things die in your life. Then the seed will grow. Let some things die. Some of us hold on too tightly to things, even to the very thing that God is giving to us. To some of us, it could, could be our business, could be our ministry. To some of us, it's our children, it's our career, our dreams, our ambition. Yes, it is what God has given to you, what God has purpose for you, but to not hold it too tightly. He shall see the labor of his soul, Isaiah 53. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. What a beautiful promise. What a beautiful promise. We shall be satisfied because we will see the labor of our soul. The following verse, Isaiah 53 verse 12 says, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death. That is the NIV translation. The NLT translation says, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier. We have to continue to live beyond that. We have to live resurrected. We have to contend to fight, to live with that strong intent in us that says, I will not live like the world. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. Now friends, there is a power in our declaration. Would you declare this with me? I will live crucified. I will live resurrected. I will live with that unshakable purpose in my heart that says I will live a life crucified with Christ. Spirit of God, if that requires me to die in any part of my life, any part of myself that I have not been willing to give up, not been willing to relinquish, reveal that to me. I choose to live crucified. I will live crucified, holding on to God and nothing else. Holding on to nothing else but God and God alone, with nothing, nothing having any kind of hold on me. That is the power of the resurrected life, friends. Holding on to God and nothing else, with nothing and nothing having any kind of hold on me. I want to know the power of the life resurrected from the dead. I will live resurrected. I will live free. That is the freedom that God has bought for us. And then it doesn't just stop there. And then I will live to possess the land. I will go on to possess the land that He has purposed for me. I will live possessing the inheritance that He has purposed for me. That is the victorious living, friends. The freedom of the resurrected life that is offered to us, to you and me, if we choose to go for it. 
in Isaiah 53, after the suffering, after the dying, after the crucifixion in Isaiah 54, the word says to rejoice. It says, sing, O barren, sing. Sing, O you who have not given birth, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of the one who has a husband, says the Lord. After the suffering, after the dying, after the crucifixion, because of our crucified life, because of the resurrection that comes after a crucified life, therefore there is the promise of our singing, our rejoicing. That is the promise of our rejoicing. Once barren, you will now bear fruit. You will now go on to obtain, to possess the promises of Isaiah 54. You will now bear fruit. Friends, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making time to listen. I pray that the seed sown here in this episode, you will continue to run with it. And I'll see you in the next episode.